Well, partner, welcome to another episode of the podcast, the round table, talking to some great people today. How you been, brother? I have been doing very well. Things Summer's been a little warm, but um, we're moving forward. Well, we're getting back into um, having some discussions with our um, our different units with the police department. Of course, Chesterfield County Police Department, Elliot Anderson. I'm Daryl Skinner. We'll be talking to two great people that are been with our police department for a little bit. Absolutely. Both of our guests today, Lieutenant Grandison and Detective Bowser, has years of experience in the police department and both currently work in and supervise uh, in our investigations department. Right, right. Unit. Oh, yeah, about our unit. And, uh, of course, let's start with, the, um, with our lieutenant, see how he's doing. Um, lieutenant Grandison with um, Chesterfield County Police Department. You want to introduce yourself to us? Sure. I'm Lieutenant Grandison, and uh, I'm very, very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, Thank good, you. good. And then we got one of my friends, um, Detective Bowser. He was up in investigation when I was there. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me today. So we just want to go over a little bit about you all, and uh, let's start with you, uh, LT, and uh, just give me a little bit about your history and how long you've been with the police department. Sure. This is my 25th uh, year with the department, believe it or not. Um, I grew up in Richmond, and uh, in, in fact, uh, Jackson Ward, uh, so ironic that I'm a police officer <laughs> because that's not typically what we're thinking about while, uh, while policing as a, as a profession. Mm-hmm. But uh, after graduating high school, um, back in 84, I was in the Navy for, uh, for a stint for six years uh, and ultimately uh, joined uh, Chesterfield's uh, Police Department. Currently, I work uh, in Crimes Against Property. Um, the lieutenant there and I work with about 20 uh, awesome detectives. Okay, so if we, if we go back to patrol... Where did you go from there before you became a lieutenant with the police department? Sure. I, I, I hit the ground running when I came here. I <laughs> uh, spent many, uh, many years uh, in patrol, uh, particularly on midnight shift where all the action uh, seems to take place. Um, I, when I left patrol, I was a school resource officer. I, I worked with uh, uh, with students who at, at the time uh, uh, were young and impressionable, and now I see them. They're driving cars, <laughs> and uh, there were, many of them are working uh, uh, their jobs act after college, uh, and it's it's just great to see that. Uh, I worked at the uh, the police academy as a, as a cadre there, um, and then a small stand in uh, in crime prevention. I've worked uh, in uh, in forensics as an advanced uh, uh, forensic technician. Okay, and uh, where here I am now. Oh so, wow, awesome! Yeah. So awesome. you had you've had a really good overview of the department and worked around the department. A lot of opportunity. Sure. Sure, absolutely. So when you when you talked about in forensic, were you a supervisor in, in forensics or were you a, 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 a tech? Well, even now, uh, police officers have an, uh, have an opportunity to uh, to be forensic technicians. But okay. I, I went a little bit further. I was very fortunate to be to uh, be selected for the advanced technician school, oh, wow. which is which is what I did. So I did that for a little while. Sometimes I look back and I say, man, I, but I didn't know where it was going at the time. Right. But uh um, I had an opportunity to do that, and and uh, so it's. I've had a well-rounded career uh, doing my uh, my stint here. Oh wow! Now I know one of the things during your career, Lieutenant Grandison, is that education. Sure. Uh, I know you said you graduated in high school in '84. Can you share your educational path with our listeners? Yeah, when I uh, uh, enlisted in the Navy um, at nighttime, uh, it depends on where I was stationed. I'd always attended some uh, some type of school. It was my my. Uh, uh, desire to do that, and uh, just over the years, I've continued on to that. Uh, eventually, I wound up getting a bachelor's degree. Uh, I was also fortunate here, and we had a, a program oh, yes. with uh, oh, University yeah. of Richmond, mm-hmm. and uh, so I got my master's degree from there, and then later on, uh, obtained my uh, doctorate degree just a couple years ago. Uh, 
uh, during the pandemic, uh, as, as, as you know. Um, but I graduated from there back in, the, in 2020. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, in the, uh, I'm in the fourth quarter of, uh, okay. of my career. So uh, I'm looking to see uh, what I can uh, do mm-hmm. uh, to still do it to assist uh, our community here. And then kind of uh, just leave something behind for, uh, for those, the, the younger people that are uh, looking for direction. Well, that Dr. Grandison title, should I say? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing I do like about it is uh, you also are giving back to our community through our youth. You, you, you're sure. still a mentor and helping, helping the young people figure out what they want to do in life and give them that, that confidence in being who they want to be and finding their gifts, I, I should say. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's my drive. I mentor with, uh, with a couple of uh, different uh, nonprofits, uh, Big Brothers in, in, uh, in Richmond, and uh, and mega mentors here in the Chesterfield County. I'll be starting this year with with those guys. So I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome. And uh, why I got this opportunity, I just want to for those listeners out there who want to uh, to mentor. There's a lot of young people out there who are looking for direction and leadership. And uh, when you have the opportunity to do that, I just think uh, you should make yourself available and assist. Good for you. Good, Good for you. All right, Detective Bowser, let's, uh, let's, let's get, get to the, the real work. Here's yeah. a, here's a <laughs> work. Let's do some work. So um, I graduated from Red Bank Valley High School in Pennsylvania um, back in 1996. Um, went to Edinburgh University uh, near Erie, PA. Um, got my bachelor's degree in criminal justice there. I uh, was in the National Guard there while I was uh, in school. Um, completed my six years of that um, after I moved here. Um, I actually found out about this job through another officer that uh, graduated before me. Okay. So um, she put me in contact with the, uh, with Tim Lamb. I uh, contacted him. I ended up taking a test in Pittsburgh and ended up you know going through the process and coming here. Uh, I've been here almost 21 years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'll be 21 in September. So I uh, spent most of my time in uh, – the first part of my career in patrol, north evening shift. Um, worked a lot of Midlothian Turnpike. Um, spent a lot of time working accidents and domestics. <laughs> um, at the end of 2007, I ended up uh, getting selected to go to investigations. Um, went to Larceny from Auto. Spent two and a half years there when we had the Larceny from Auto unit. And then uh, transferred over to Crimes Against Persons. Was there for six years. And then finally transferred over to fraud, and I've been there for the past six years. Awesome. awesome. We do a lot of recruiting in Edinburgh. Yes. They have a really big criminal justice program there. They're very much in tune with making sure that students have job opportunities. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. They, uh, they really make themselves available. I think we, right now we probably have five or six offices in the department from Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is really good. So right now, uh, Lieutenant, you oversee the fraud unit, the larceny units, um, crimes against person pretty much. Uh, one of the lieutenants up there, or in charge of that unit Perfect. up there. So what what I wanted, what we want to talk about is, right now we've been having problems in one of the specialized units, meaning the larcenies from vehicles. If, if I'm correct, I know we so, don't have specific officers just for larceny from vehicles. Do we do that? Do we still no. do that? So give me give give us something that what we can do to to better ourselves or our community because we like we like this partnership thing that we got police, we got our community. They give us information. We try to, you know, help them out as far as, you know, deterring crimes from happening, things of that sort. So what – give me what's going on right now, the trends that we have going on right now. Well, unfortunately, there are several trends going on right <laughs> there. But uh, if, if to, to be more specific, can you talk about the last thing from all – these are simple, very, very simple things 
that uh, citizens can do to uh, to prevent that from happening. Because all the offenders really want to do, they want to jump in your car real quick mm -hmm. so they can move on to the next one. So that means locking your car. Uh, a lot of times we get complacent. Nothing typically happens in, in our mind and in, in our uh, community. In our, yeah, in our exactly. neighborhood. Exactly. So you get used to uh, just leaving your car unlocked, and even and even further for some who leave uh, their uh, the keys in the car, and um, you know it makes it very very easy for offenders to come in, especially when the weather is warm. I mean, it's very simple to do. You can hit 30, 40 cars a night. Um, you know, you get a you get a kid uh, on a warm night mm -hmm. that is not interested in staying in this house. You go walk, walking around just just grabbing car handles, getting inside. They're looking for uh, for money. They're looking for purses. They're looking for guns, the laptops, uh, cell phones, whatever is in that car. They they're gonna take them and they're gonna move on to the next one. Are, go ahead. Are these are these larcenies just happening at night? No, they can they can actually happen at any time. You go to, if you go up there to the town center. Uh, you do the same. You have the same type of behavior in the daytime. They they walk around. There are people walking around, um, just grabbing on car handles. Don't be surprised when you pull up in your car and, and to focus on what you're doing because every time I go up there and I when I drive and I park my vehicle, uh, there I look around. There there are people just sitting in cars, and there some of them are just sitting there because they're waiting on us. But there are some up there who have. Uh, nefarious intentions. So, okay, okay. Uh, you just have to be wary of your uh, of your surroundings. Give, give me give me what plain view that if you're keeping your purse or you're keeping items, computers, in your front seat of your car, are those are those target cars? Uh, absolutely, they're uh, they're actually they're they're very easy targets. Um, as I mentioned, uh, the offenders they want a they want a real quick grab. Okay. So um, they're looking for the uh, the vehicle that's left unlocked. However, if there's a purse that's sitting right there, they know there's something that they really want. They will break your window for that. Oh yeah, yeah, um, oh, yeah. yeah. And and probably uh, just in a second we'll talk about uh, the felony lane gang. Okay. Um, okay. And one of the things they do, and I mentioned these guys here, they they are notorious. And they they get all over the country, but. Um, not only do they they stake, uh, take your uh, your uh, your purse and and other personal belongings, um, but they'll take things like credit cards. Yeah. And I'm I'm sure uh, Detective Bowser will talk about this here in the, in a second. Uh, but immediately they're going to put those credit cards to use, debit cards or whatever. So they'll make purchases that are in the, the immediate area. They want to use those things before you realize uh, that they they've been taken. And think about so, that gang, the felony lane gang, are coming out of other areas. Of the states, sure. So it's a group of them, and and that's been going on for for at least ten years, yeah, many I, years many now, many years now. Okay. And Detective Bowser, I know you have experience from working in the Larson Informato mm -hmm. group. Um, I know that we know collectively that there's no particular profile that meets a person who breaks into a car. It's mostly a crime of opportunity, and like Detective Grand, uh, I'm sorry, Lieutenant Granderson said, they see it, they try to take it. What was your experience when you worked in that unit? It was about the same, and I mean, a lot of the uh, the suspects that we dealt with at the time were uh, juveniles. Right. You know, going out at night, and they just go pull on car doors, check and see what's in there. If they saw something in there, they took it. Um, people leave their guns in their car, mm. they leave it unlocked, um, they leave their wallets, anything of value they leave in the car, and it, like you said, it's just a crime of opportunity. They right. go in and they steal it. Um, felony lane gang, same thing. They don't care. They'll smash out a window in a heartbeat, right. and especially to take a purse. Um, for all the women that are going to the gym or going to daycare and dropping oh, yeah. their kids off, you know, don't leave your purse in the car. You know, they'll smash out the windows, and by the time you report it, your checks, if there's any in there, they're already being used. 
um, your IDs being used, yes. and your credit cards. Yep. And for us, I mean, it's when they when they do that, they're usually hitting another jurisdiction at that time and using your information. Um, and and we, we've been getting, and I know when I was in, in investigation, we were getting uh, information that they were in, say they were in um, uh, Henrico County. Mm -hmm. And by the time we get the information, they have done a crime or, or something in Chesterfield and use the ID to go and, and get money out of the bank or, or, or use it to purchase something. So this thing has been going on, like I say, for, for many years. How can we prevent that from happening? I mean, you, you, you stole it, mm -hmm. you got it, you got it out of my car. How do, they, how, do you, how do the fraud unit get involved in that now? So the fraud unit typically doesn't get involved in the felony land gang aspect of it. That's usually okay. uh, property crimes that do, uh, deals with them. But the times that we do get involved in it, um, you know, we're working with the other jurisdictions to help try to identify the suspects as quickly as we can. Uh, biggest thing is if you have your purse stolen, first thing you do, you do check your um, check with your bank, call them, you know, tell them, hey, look, my stuff's been stolen. I need to report it stolen. So that way, in case it does come through somewhere else their bank can be notified and they can take care of you. Um, and that way the other bank can notify that jurisdiction and let them know, hey, we got these folks here. This is a stolen check. Okay. Okay. Uh, but I, I know one of the questions we get, and I got this a couple of weeks ago with someone, um, if the person lives here in the county, but the fraud is taking place in Virginia Beach or Texas or someone, can they still make the report through us? They can make the report through us. I mean, we'll take the report. Um, typically, though, we'll refer it over to the other jurisdiction right, right, um, right. and try to get them to take it. Sometimes it's not as easy. You know, you know mm -hmm. the victims feel like they're getting passed back and forth because right. the other jurisdiction will say, well, you live in Chesterfield. You need to report it through them. Sure. And a lot of times they'll accept the report from us. We'll send it to them, and they can work it from there if they mm -hmm. if they have any suspects. Okay. okay. I know when looking at our statistics that our larceny from autos from 2020 to 2021 were down, um, as well as motor vehicle theft stayed the same. But one of my major concerns with larceny from auto are the number of stolen weapons. I know in last year we had 355 weapons stolen out of vehicles, primarily handguns. Um, only about 40 of those, uh, 38 of those, were, rif were uh, rifles or shotguns. Mm -hmm. um, we really need the public to secure their weapons and not right. leave them in vehicles because these weapons end up, end up in hands sure. of sure. using other crimes. Um, I know that we have also put up, bill not billboards, but uh, mobile, mobile. mobile signs mm -hmm. in our parks mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, without giving away techniques, Lieutenant Grandison, what are some of the other aspects of prevention that we do that is proactive to the public may not know about. Okay, one of the things that, let me just go back to what you were saying about the number of uh, uh, weapons that are taken, and it's, it's very, very disturbing. As you know, then nationally, uh, there's just been this debate about uh, actually legally obtaining uh, weapons. Well, if citizens were aware of the number of weapons that were left in ve unlocked vehicles, yeah. uh, that are uh, people were just going around, and I mentioned we talked about this earlier, they were just taking these guns every single day. We come in, we're reviewing these, these reports. Uh, citizens would be very surprised to hear the number of guns that are out there uh, because they're just left in vehicles, unlocked vehicles, or they're left in the areas where someone walking by, they can actually look in there mm -hmm. and, uh, and mm -hmm. see the gun. Or uh, once someone gets in the car, they know where people typically leave the vehicle, leave their uh, their weapons. So they just reach in once they're inside and, and take the uh, take the guns. 
um, if if there's no reason, if you don't have a purpose to uh, to carry a, a weapon, particularly in a in a car, then then leave it at home and leave it locked up or put somewhere secure where no one can get to it. But uh, as a result of these uh, these these types of crimes, they lead to other more serious exactly. crimes exactly. that that exactly. take place. The shootings that you yes. see, yes. Uh, we often come across these the uh, these offenders who've been arrested for one reason, and and uh, they just happen to have a a weapon that's been reported stolen in another jurisdiction. This mm-hmm. this commonly takes place. Mm-hmm. So, if you could lock them up. Or if you can leave them at home, I highly suggest that uh, that citizens do that. But are you are you seeing? And you, you talk about guns, and, and Mike, you might be want to be be part of this as well. If you if you have a gun that's stolen from a vehicle, and then you have a, a homicide or a shooting in the county, have you have you matched any of that in saying where this gun was traced and came? You know, originally came from a vehicle. That do we do that? Sure. Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> Don't have to give up that case right now. Okay. Yeah. But that, that, but that's something that that the people have to be mindful of. That when you leave these guns in your vehicles and they are broken into and stolen, that a youth or a young person or whatever get a hold of that gun. Next thing you know, a party goes down or something happens, and next thing you know, that same weapon has been used in uh, 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 an injury or, or shooting in our county. That's real. Mm-hmm. That's that that makes us think about. This ain't just a property crime anymore. It's right. a, you know, it's, it's a it's a, a homicide or or, or, or seriously injured um, right. crime assault. Well, Daryl, as you know, in your illustrious <laughs> career, <laughs> criminals don't normally stick to one type of crime. Exactly. So you know, exactly. if they're uh, if they're they're breaking into cars, or if they're uh, uh, if they're out there uh, uh, committing homicides, and you know, they have to support what they're doing. They have to travel around, so yeah. they they're stealing cars. They're doing all types of things. Exactly. So one of the things we have to be able to do working in private crimes is collaborate with uh, with other jurisdictions, and mm-hmm. not just other jurisdictions, but our own uh, uh, teams inside the inside the building. Mm-hmm. In including the analysts who are able to look at this data. And uh, I got a report uh, earlier today from, from Fredericksburg. You know, we have some other activity that's, that's going on. I'll be talking about that later uh, today wow. with the, uh, with the local media. So, oh, wow. um, so we're, we're constantly in collaboration and partnering with, uh, with our communities to get this information out there. Okay. Okay. So Larson from Idaho, we've established as a multifaceted crime. Right. People don't just steal one thing out of a car and that's it. But then they may go on to commit a fraud with a credit card. And right. I know Detective Bowser now works in our fraud unit. Mm-hmm. And so we want to talk about some of that because we've seen seniors uh, oh, losing yeah. money, um, things like that. Can you share some of the cases or type of incidents that the public needs to be aware of? All right. So some of the biggest trends that we see um, is our elderly population. They right. get taken advantage of quite a bit. Um and there's many different frauds that can occur, not just credit card frauds, you know, the, you know, or their stuff stolen out of the car, the checks used, stuff like that. Typically with the elderly citizens, they get a lot of phone scams or computer scams. Somebody, uh, they may be on their computer and they get a pop-up saying, hey, your computer's infected, call this number. Well, they call that number thinking it's somebody from like Microsoft or some other computer company. And they end up talking with somebody. That person gives them um, gets access to their computer, and they go in and they're able to go through their bank account and stuff like that, and be able to transfer money out. And then they'll they'll transfer money from like the savings to into their checking. Sure. And tell them, oh look, you have a you know a duplicate transfer here. So what they'll do is they'll get onto the person's bank account. They'll withdraw that money, 
and the person thinks it's some error on their end, and it turns out it's their their actual money that's being stolen. Wow. Um, phone scams. Uh, a lot of people get called saying their uh, relatives in jail and they need bail mm. money. Wow. Well, instead of that person, the victim calling their family member to verify this stuff, they go at, do what they're told and go and pick up like gift cards or they'll go and get cash. And they'll get that uh, the gift card or the cash to the the person on the other end of the phone. Um, what we've been seeing lately is when they get these phone calls and they're getting the person's demanding cash, they go and get cash, and then somebody comes to the house and picks up the cash for them, and then it gets sent off some other way. And a lot of times, the victim doesn't get a license plate, doesn't get, get us a real good description for anything for us to go on in order for us to do anything. A lot of times with the phone numbers that these folks are calling from, they're calling from voice over IP numbers, which is basically right. a burner number off the computer. Mm-hmm. The, the, we can subpoena the records, but the only thing it's really going to show is an IP address and where it may be coming from. And a lot of these crimes, the criminals, are happening out of the country, yes, outside right. of our yes. jurisdictional boundaries uh, in other countries around the world. So the odds of recovering that money are pretty much zero to none. Right. It's very slim. Um, on the off chance that we catch it quick enough, sometimes we're able to get the banks to stop um, transfers or return mm-hmm. uh, money. Mm-hmm. It depends. I had one case a couple years ago where a woman um, sent over about $350,000 to somebody who she thought she was in a relationship with uh, that contacted her, I think, through, I think it was through Facebook. She sent a $100,000 check at one point um, or wired it actually to an account, a Chase account in Ohio. Well, that money was then transferred somewhere else and then transferred again. And, you know, before we can even track where it's going, it's already out of the country or mixed in with some other funds. Uh, she sent the second payment and we caught it quick enough where we contacted that bank and said, freeze that, don't let any money go out. And they, her bank was able to recall that money. So we were able to save her at least $100,000 that uh, that she sent. Um, sometimes we're, we don't get that lucky. By sure. the time it's reported to us, it's already gone. Sure. And I, and I have seen where people have gone locally to banks here in Chesterfield right. that the clerk, the bank teller, catches something is wrong. Why mm-hmm. oh, are yeah. you yeah. withdrawing this money? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I assume that these they, they can have accounts set up so, hey, if my parent comes in to do this amount, dollar amount, then it will trigger, hey, you got to stop. We got to call your daughter, call mm-hmm. your son. Uh, so I guess I'm saying that to encourage people who have older parents to put those controls in place mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. it becomes an issue. There's always a, a chance that your elderly parents can get scammed. So the best thing you can do is talk with your parents and sit down and work out a plan where somebody is the power of attorney over the account um, and work it out with the bank in order to have some of those safeguards in place. Um, some banks will do it, you know, some banks catch it, some banks don't. It just kind of depends sure. on, on the system that they have. But there's usually notes in the account that would generate some sort of uh, question from the, the teller at the bank. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, we, we like to get into, and again, I, I love the part about talking about the prevention part of it, what we're doing with the police department, the partnership that we have with our community. But we got to ask about your wellness. You know, we like to talk about how you guys are doing, what are you doing, instead of just doing police 24-7. I have hobbies. I know Elliot has has hobbies. Um, So what what keeps you coming every day? What keeps you motivated and and giving back to our community and your jobs? And, and Mike, I'll start with you, Detective. Um, 
I've always been a caring person. Um, I try to engage with my victims as much as I can um, and try to help them out as best I can. I mean, there's a lot of times where I have to tell them there's nothing I can do, but I try to also think outside the box and try to help them out. Um, that's what kind of keeps me coming into work is being able to knowing that I'm able to help somebody one way or the other, whether it's arresting somebody or just, you know, pulling some strings with the bank or sure. doing something to be able to get their money back. Um, so what happens when you off and then you, you off, you're not, you're not, you're not the detective Mike anymore. Um, you with your family. Um, sometimes that's it's hard, it's hard to shut off sometimes. I know when, when I was in person's crimes, it was very hard to shut off um, because you were worried about the severity of the cases that you had. Um, I had several cases that I'll carry with me until I, you know, until I'm done. Yep. Um, that it makes it hard to separate. But when I do, you know, separate from that lifestyle, it's, you know, I'm spending time with my family. It's, Good. you know, going to the drive-in out in Goochland to watch movies with my kids or, you know, going kayaking with my wife. Oh, good. Um, taking my son fishing or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. just to kind of get, a, you know, get away from it all. Good. Um, sometimes it's not easy, you know, because sometimes with the, even with your personal cell, you're getting phone calls, oh, yeah. you know, getting oh, questions yeah. from somebody about a case or yeah. something like that. So It's hard to shut down. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is very hard to shut down at times. LT? Yeah, that's, that's, you asked a great question because uh, year after year, uh, police officers are right there uh, at the top of uh, uh, suicides. Right. Every single year. Uh, if, uh, if the public knew the, uh, the number of officers that commit suicide uh, each year, uh, they would just they they would stop uh, stop us from doing business, and they would uh, determine themselves to find out exactly what is the cause of that. Right. And um, one of the things in, in law enforcement is uh, this this stigma thing, and uh, uh, officers who uh, who are struggling a little bit uh, have a hard time have a hard time asking for for help. Uh, what I've seen here in the, in this department is is a change from the trend, right. and it began maybe about seven or eight years ago, and uh, there's a focus here on wellness, and uh, we are encouraged uh, if if there's an individual uh, officer who needs assistance or just wants to talk, we're encouraged to find people. We have a peer support unit, mm-hmm. uh, we have a dedicated uh, department psychologist. Uh, uh, who's willing to help? But there, and then there are several people who don't have uh, titles who are interested in in helping their uh, their colleagues out. So taking advantage of uh, of this type of service and uh, and just being open and honest about how you feel uh, is is very very important, especially in this in this profession. Uh, let me just go back. To, uh, uh, those were great things that uh, that Detective Bowser pointed out that he did to uh, uh, to kind of help with the uh, with the stress. And you you have to be you have to be concerned about that because these things just compound. You're talking 25 years uh, that I that I've been around. Uh, a lot of times people leave this job and never you know over during the course of that time, never really sat down and and thought about all the struggles and stressors that they've had to deal with over the years. And then when they're out of law enforcement, they don't have the surroundings exactly. that exactly. they they typically exactly. have. You know, you've been stripped of the yep. uh, title of police officer, yep. so you're just out there. And there's no numbers 
Um, there is no groups that follow the number of retired officers who uh, uh, who commit suicide or have these these health problems because they never address these issues when they uh, when they were active duty. Right. So it's it's a great question. One of the things that that I do personally, you have to have a uh, for me, you have to have a, a spiritual life. Yep. And there's got to be a drive. There's got to be a purpose. And and I uh, I talked about mentoring uh, when we uh, began the show. But for me, my my daughter, I, I, my little girl, I mean, I tell you what, and when I leave here, yes. I'm thinking about going home, and I, I just want to be with my daughter sure. and spending time with her and uh, just talking about things, playing basketball. She loves playing basketball. She's been on the team uh, at her middle school for the last couple of years, and um and uh, she's a great piano player. She uh, she just has a knack for doing things that I I never I never tried to do when I was a kid. She right. uh, she's even told herself how to play the guitar. So wow, uh, those are wow. the type of things that I look forward yes. to doing. Yes, and and, I, and you ha- and you're right. You have to have a way. And Mike, you have mentioned it as well to turn this thing off. Mm-hmm. You got to find a way mm-hmm. to turn it off because if you don't, it will. Being a retiree myself. And coming back and helping them out, but I have, like you say, my spiritual growth. Yeah. Other things that I do with my my time with my family is very important for our, our wellness. So I, I, I commend both of you all for mm-hmm. for having that. Go ahead, we, partner. We do want to thank the public today because a lot of the crimes when we have larceny from auto, like Lieutenant Granderson and Detective Bowser said, it. It's not just one isolated incident. It's numerous through a neighborhood. Yes, yes. And our detectives come out and canvass the neighborhood, or uniform operations patrol officers come out and canvass the neighborhood looking for video and, and those type of things. And we're really appreciative of the public who turn that information over to us um, to help us solve these crimes. They call our crime solvers number, which is 804-748-0660, to help us assist in solving these crimes. Those, right. Those banks, those bank tellers, um, those caregivers who who really give us uh, insight on what's going on. I mean, a lot of the crimes we solve, especially purchase crimes, come from tips from exactly. the public, and, exactly. we, and we value that. Man, this has been a good one. It has we, been. We could it actually been. talk for another 20 minutes, but we're not because I got the bosses <laughs> looking at us like we have a problem. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'd, al- we'd also like to remind our public that we also, uh, tips not only come in through that 7480660 number, but all through, through our P3 Tips app, which is p3tips.com backslash 699. Oh, wow. Um, that's the way a lot of young people uh, give us those tips, and it's all confidential, and we value We that. really are going to a yeah. different level because, you know, this is new to me. That's new. That's new. Hey, the technology is here, and the department's moving. But we yes. want to thank Lieutenant Granderson and yes. Detective Bowser thank for you. coming in today. What a um, great show, man. Great, great show. show. We, we can great continue show. this one. I like this one. Different aspect of policing that sure. most people don't think about because, you know, a lot of frauds don't make the news unless exactly. it's something something big. Exactly. Well, partner, another good one. I mean, we appreciate our our um, um Production team. Absolutely. They, they, they Chris Rizzuti, Lena Shaduli, and the here. Making us look good or, or no? Sound good. I like that. How about <laughs> that? That's better. We'd like to remind our listeners that we're still recruiting police officers and lateral police officers um, to join us here in Chesterfield County. Simply go to joinccpd.org uh, to apply for those positions and to learn out the details and come on board. Definitely. You can follow our podcast on all of our social media outlets, and we look forward to to our next episode. My partner. Good job. Good job. Excellent. Great one.